Good morning, family. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah? You sure about that? Norman, I know you're sure. You let me know otherwise. It's good to be here with you guys. So if you guys opened up to John chapter 15, we're going to read uh, just the first few verses. And Chris, if you have a chance, if you can just throw up verses 1 through 5, John 15 verses 1 through 5, and then we'll just leave it up there for the, for the rest of the duration here. So it says this, these are the words of Jesus, and he's sitting with his disciples talking to them. This is actually during the Last Supper, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you, but now remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And so if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's say a quick word of prayer together. Father, thank you that you are the master gardener and that you know exactly what you are doing. You know what we need, and you know what, you're, what you want to grow in us. You know what it takes to develop those things in us. So, Lord, as we are metaphorically the branch that is connected to you, Lord, we ask that you would do all that you need to do in us to see that we are productive and fruitful, able to accomplish much for the glory of God. And even we know that you use these things for our own well-being, for it's an abundant life for us that you have in mind. That's your intention. God, may we surrender to your will so we can experience that abundant life. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So just to, I want to do a quick little um, synopsis, just a reminder of a couple of the things that we've covered over the past couple weeks. A couple, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And we really focused in on how it says there that we, as God's people, are God's workmanship. So we are his workmanship, we, and he does that work in us. It's not something that we can do ourselves. It's just something that we say, yes, I accept what you're doing, and we allow it to take place in our lives. So it's our place of surrender that allows him to do the work he wants to do. And then now last, last week, we had uh, Brother Robert Wilson come and share with us out of Romans chapter 8, you guys remember it says, all things are intended and work for the good of those who are called and who love God. And so another challenge to just trust him and live in this state of surrender, because those things that are not comfortable is intended to develop something. It's doing something inside of us. It's doing something inside of us. And now today, we're going to jump into John 15, where it says, I really want to focus in on, on, on verse 2, where it says, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, but every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. To give you a little bit of context, what, this is happening during the Last Supper so it's, it's a Thursday night where this is happening. It's the night that Jesus was going to get arrested and then tried and then, and then uh, that next day cr crucified. 
So they're sitting together, they're eating the meal or had just finished the meal, and he's giving them this teaching about the true vine and telling them how important it is that they remain in him. And in that verse, verse two, is where he gives these two promises. And this is where we kind of want to kind of like live this morning. These two promises that he gives is this. Every branch that is connected to me that doesn't bear fruit is going to be cut off. It's going to be removed. It's a promise. But then that second promise that comes right after is every branch that, that does bear fruit, that does show sign of real life, it's going to get pruned. This first one, that first promise there seems extremely harsh because he's promising to remove or cut off or eliminate branches in himself. Anything that is not producing, anything that is not showing life, anything that is not receiving nourishment from the vine that it's attached to, he's going to cut it off. It's going to be rejected. It sounds like, at the surface level, that those who aren't performing well, or in other words, they can't meet the standard that God is demanding of us, they are basically going to get rejected and cast out because we're not performing but this is the furthest thing from the truth. The Lord is not looking for performance from any of us. The last, that's the last thing that he's looking for. Verse 4 in John 15 tells us what he's really looking for, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But his intention, the Lord's intention is always to support life and increase fruitfulness. He doesn't take pleasure in destruction. If there's any sign of life whatsoever, he's going to come and breathe on that thing and nourish that thing and nurture it back to life. Any sign of life. You might remember the story back in Genesis 18 where the, the angel of the Lord visited Abraham. And as it visited Abraham, they're walking and they look down and they look and they see Sodom and Gomorrah. And the angel of the Lord confided in Abraham and said, the wickedness of these cities has gotten to the absolute worst, the corruption. They've just overrun with evil and wickedness, and they're going to be destroyed. They're getting, they're getting cut off. And Abraham said, well, well now wait a second, because his, his nephew had gone down to live in that area. So Abraham is now concerned. He said, well, well wait a minute. Surely he knows how wicked they had become. But he said, well, what if you find just 50 people that are righteous and that worship you? And the Lord said, of course. No, I would, I would not destroy it for 50 people. But Abram knows how vast the wickedness is. So he was like, well, what, if, what if there's only 45 people? <laughs> no, I will not destroy it if there's 45 people, the Lord tells him. Well, okay, but, okay, but what if there's only 30? He goes all the way down to 10. Well, what if there's only 10 people? And the Lord assures him, if there's even just 10 people in these, in these two major cities, I won't destroy it. He's looking for signs of life so he can nurture it and bring it back to fruitfulness. If I can find just 10 people out of these thousands of people, I will not destroy it. And we know how that went. He went down and searched through and found, couldn't even find 10 people that still honored and worshiped the Lord. He's looking for a reason to grow strength and to nurture us, but it takes people that are willing to receive what he has to give. See, he wants to preserve and protect, but he needs, he needs something to work with. Notice Jesus' wording in this too. He says, it says, every branch in me. 
So the things that are getting cut off or removed for a lack of productivity, they're attached to him. Removal is not the desire. That's not his goal. And I don't, I don't believe personally that it causes him joy to remove any branch from himself. That is not the will of the Lord. But the purpose, his purpose, is to be productive. And we can all agree that this is a good thing. He wants us to be productive. I want to be productive. I think we all want to be productive in our own ways. And this is what he wants. And in order to be productive, we have to invest in something. And so we have to receive what the Lord is investing in us. And if we don't, that's where we've made our decision to not be connected to that vine any longer. I want to make mention to something that happened in just a few days before the Last Supper. As they're sitting here, it's a Thursday night that they're talking, right? And just a couple days before, the Lord did a very unique miracle. As a matter of fact, it was the only miracle that he ever did that was destructive, that caused harm. It's found in, all, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I like the one in Mark 11 because it gives the most details. It's Mark 11, 12, and following. And it says that as they are walking towards the city, in the distance they see this fig tree and it has leaves all over it. And so Jesus, it says, was hungry. And so he went and he approached the tree looking for those figs. And he went and he looked under, you look under the leaves of the fig tree to get a, a fig, and there was nothing there. And so he was upset by this because it was in leaf. He said, well, he's looking for, where's the fruit? And there was none. And so what he did was this. He said to it, he said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. He spoke to the tree. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And then they continued on into the city. Now, the next day, the disciples again were taking that same, back, same path back into the city, and they walked by, and they noticed that same exact tree that had leaves, but they, it didn't have fruit on it. The disciples saw this, and at verse 20 of Mark 11, it says that they found the tree withered and dried up to the root. In, tw- in less than 24 hours, it was dried up and cut off, as though it had never had life in it in, in months. And they were, they were amazed by this because this was a miracle that caused destruction. It was cut off from any sustenance that it had previously. Now, at first, it might seem a little puzzling. Like, what, like why is he destroying this thing? Like, it had leave. Like, give the thing a chance. Like, we just said, like, he's looking for any kind of sign of life so he can work with it, right, and nurture it and make it productive. But he's looking at this and he found, finds nothing. Well, this type of fig tree in particular is the kind that bears fruit, it, it, sa- it says, um, either before it leaves or at the same time as it's, it has leaves developing on it. So when he sees leaves, that's a sign of life. That's a sign there is fruit here, there is sustenance here. There's something to ha- to, of beneficial of this thing. But when he gets up close and finds nothing, he sees that le- these leaves really were deceptive sign. See, really, the leaves hanging on the tree is really saying, I have fruit. There is something of sustenance here. You can come and get this. But, but when you look closer, there's nothing there. It was really a, a hypocritical display. It showed signs of fruit, but it had no substance. And so the thing that gets cut off, the thing that Jesus speaks against, is hypocrisy. Showing signs of life, but really there's nothing of substance there. There's nothing on the inside. 
Hypocrisy is the one instance that we see a destructive miracle of Jesus. And this was on Monday that he accursed it and Tuesday morning that they found it. So this is just two days later on Thursday where Jesus now is reiterating the lesson that he had showed them in the tree and now he's saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. He wants to nurture and strengthen and grow us from in, from within as long as we are connected to the vine. This is the only place the sustenance can come from. Sunlight, this is good. Rain, this is good. But you have to be connected to the nourishment of the vine itself. And so he's, he's reiterating, for those things that are not productive in me, it's going to be cut off. It's going to be removed. Even though they're connected to me, they're failing to, to accept and receive the nourishment I'm trying to offer. In a sense, we see this played out in Romans Chapter 1, it's speaking of a, of a people that had become hard-hearted, individuals that had rejected the word of God. It says in Romans 1.21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him, or, or glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and foolish, and their hearts were darkened. And it goes on to say that because they did not accept the word of the Lord, and instead they reject it, they cast it out, that the Lord gave them over to their depraved mind. He left them alone. You can't receive the word. You won't receive the pruning. You won't receive the nourishment, so I can't do anything else with you. And he left them alone. They were cut off, and they were left to their depraved mind. And then the behaviors that follow, and then the consequences that follow that. So those who reject the word of God and bear no fruit are removed and left alone. But those who are, pro are productive and bearing fruit get the attention of the gardener and become pruned. So, so here's the easy truth. The easy thing to, for us to grasp and understand and, and come into alignment is this. Being fruitful and productive, that's good. We can all agree with this. And being unproductive, that's bad. That's easy to, to support. But here's the more difficult truth to live out. That being pruned and cut up is good. That's a good sign. And not being pruned, being left alone to our own devices, is bad. That is not a good thing. And so as we metaphorically are the branches connected to, to Jesus Christ who is the vine, we really have two, two choices. And he puts it plainly in verse 2. We can either get cut off because we're not receiving the nourishment or we're going to get cut up because he's pruning us to develop more things in us. Get cut off or get cut up. <laughs> it's our choice. Either one doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? But it's part of the process. It's part of the process. See, in the moment, it's easier and more comfortable it's desirable to just be left alone. That hurts to be, to be cut off. I feel that. Things that are attached to me that he needs to prune off to refine me. It's like, oh, just, can you just leave that a little longer? Just, just let me hang on to this one, this one thing. He's pruning off and he knows what the things that need to be cut off. And that's his discernment. He chooses how that works. It's a painful process. But that process of pruning, it refines us and makes us more productive. Pruning is necessary for every one of us who is committed to following Jesus Christ 
This is a necessary part of walking with him and growing in him. And really, if we look at it this way, in this light, pruning is confirmation that God is at work in your life. Pruning is confirmation that you're bearing fruit because he sees something there's there to work with. I can work with that. And so it's easy for us to get discouraged because ah, it hurts. It's uncomfortable and even maddening sometimes. We say, well, how do I deserve this? This wasn't right. I'm not, I shouldn't be treated this way because the pruning comes in all different forms. Sometimes through uh, situations, circumstances in our life, sometimes through people in our life. And then we look at that and we put blame on them. And the temptation is to, to look at what they're all doing and how they're wrong. But the Lord is using these things to now prune in me if I will receive what's happening to me and see what is he trying to do and how's he trying to shape in here. He's trying to develop us. He's pruning us and it's not comfortable. It's not fun, but it's so necessary. For anyone who's, who's familiar with, with um, gardening at all, you might know that pruning is, is considered an art a skill. Mandy, you probably know a lot about this. I almost had you come up and share some of this. <laughs> this, this idea of pruning is, is so important because it's done to um, fruit trees and vines and flowers to help them to be more productive in the following season. And there's, there's different things that have to be taken into consideration when, when it's being pruned so that you get, you get a more fruitful tree. If it's done in the wrong way or the wrong time with the wrong technique, you cause more damage than anything, and you can even kill the tree. It has to be done right. So what I learned is that there's these three, what they call the three T's, that they are essential things when it comes to pruning. Three T's that have to be taken into consideration. The first one is tools. They have to be using the right tools so you're not causing damage to the tree when you're making the cut on it. So it's being done in the most efficient way. The second T is timing because the tree has to be pruned in the right season. Specifically, it has to, be, has to happen between the growing season, when the tree is in like a sleeping, dormant stage, like a, a resting phase. This is when the pruning has to happen, when it's at rest. Otherwise, if it's pruned while the thing is in growing season, then that nourishment, the sap that's growing through the vines is gonna pour right out where you just made the fresh cut, and it's gonna be losing the nourishment rather than gaining it. And then the one thing that's huge in pruning, the third T, is the technique. Knowing when and how and where to do this. The number one rule, the most important thing in, in, in pruning branches, is that you're identifying any branches that are diseased or damaged, and that those things are cut off at any time. That doesn't even matter what, what season it is. If, if there's disease or damage, it has to be cut off because if it's not or if it's procrastinated and it doesn't happen right away, then that disease spreads. It's an infection. It needs to be pruned off. The other thing that you look, at, look for when pruning is you're looking for branches that are too close together. And so as the wind is blowing, they're rubbing against one another and rubbing off the bark, that protective layer. And they're, making, they're exposing one another to the elements in ways that cause them to, to damage and weaken. Those things have to be cut off. And then third, it says, removing old wood, the older wood that has to be cut off. The things that have been productive, they have had their, had their season, but now it's time for the newer growth 
to rise up. You have to cut off that old, that old wood so that the new growth can receive sunlight and not be blocked out by so many branches coming out, kind of shielding that sunlight from entering. But generally speaking, pruning is, is maintenance towards further growth. It's development, development and fullness by removing everything that inhibits health. Everything that we, the removal of the things that we're attached to in order to make room for the better things. And this is what God is doing in us, little by little, for those of us who will receive it. The truth is, when we're being pruned, the activity of pruning actually causes stress and damage to a plant. And this is another reason why it has to happen in the right time. It causes stress. It causes harm. It causes damage to that plant. But it's damage that invests in the future of that plant and the productivity. And the same is true for us. Pruning is hard and painful. And in these seasons, we need to rest and like the word says, remain in, in Christ Jesus. It's not an easy thing to experience. As a matter of fact, when we're in, in a season of pruning, the temptation really is to retreat to what was more familiar, retreat to the old ways, to what we know, what we've seen, and what we've done before. But to retreat when the Lord is trying to prune us is to run away from the gardener is to try to avoid what he's trying to prune off. And really, it only prolongs the season of discomfort. I was thinking about this uh, earlier this week because Sly and I got to um, escape for a couple days on like a little mini two-day getaway, Monday and Tuesday. And so we just went over to Cape Cod and uh, we walked around the town. Um, There's what... I love about Cape Cod is they've got some beautiful, you wouldn't think of it because it's by the ocean with the sea. Um, it's got some beautiful hiking trails. And so we wanted, with our time, we said, let's go, let's go breathe in some nature. Let's go take in the nature. And on our way, actually, we, we actually stopped. The other thing they have a lot of is candy shops <laughs> and fudge shops. So we got a ba- bag of fudge and candy and chocolate truffles and all this stuff. And then we headed over and we went to the forest. And man, I had my, my bag of fudge and my little fork, and I'm just like, I am living in like, this is like ecstasy, man. I, I'm taking in the sugar and the refined sugar, all that chocolate was delicious. And then you got the beautiful scenery at the same time. So I was just moseying my way along, and Sly wanted to go in front, and she was kind of leading the way through the path. I'm in my own world with the fudge. <laughs> and as we're, we've been walking on for a while, the path that kind of started like this at the opening, it got narrower and, and narrower. And then um, all of the shrubs and the trees kind of closed in so there, were, there wasn't really a path there. It was kind of like this narrow little, you know, maybe 12-inch pathway. And she's kind of walking through. And I thought it was great because she's taking all the, the spider webs, the bugs. She's kind of clearing the way. And I'm just eating my fudge. <laughs> and at one point, as it closed in and got so narrow, she kind of like screamed and just froze like this. And she was kind of like half screaming and half laughing at herself for being scared too. <laughs> And I'm, I'm just watching her, and i just kind of giggling to myself, and I'm like, after she's standing, you're standing there, and I said, well, well, keep going. Go, like, let's get to the other side of this thing. <laughs> and I was laughing because this is the natural reaction whenever we face any kind of, like, anything adversity that scares us or catches us off, uh, catches us off guard. We either freeze in our tracks or we run, we run back to where we came from. 
Instead of remembering the fact like, hey, I'm on this path because I'm going to the other side of it. And so when we freeze, all we're doing is stopping in the middle of the pain and living in that pain, living in that discomfort. Where the Lord is saying, no, remain in me. I'm calling you over there. Remain in me. Stay with me. Keep up the pace. Come on, we're going somewhere. I didn't bring you here to leave you in the middle of all these cobwebs and spiderwebs. <laughs> I brought you here to carry you through. To eat fudge. And I ate my fudge. <laughs> He's bringing us to a place. He doesn't want us to retreat. But this is, the, this is our natural instinct, and this is why it's hard, and this is why he encourages us to remain in me. You don't have to do any hard work. Like, you don't have to strain. Just, just remain with me. I got you. Maybe he's kind of like Sly was for me, clearing all the branches and all the cobwebs, and I'm just kind of going along, not even knowing the difference until I heard a scream. <laughs> he's got us. He knows where he's taking us. There's purpose, there's plan, there's intention in all these things. And so even as the pruning is occurring, it's occurring with purpose, and it's bringing productivity we don't want to sit in the middle of that pain. Just keep in step with the Lord as he's carrying us through. The other thing that we have to consider is this. A, a stressed plant, we know that pruning causes stress and damage to the plant, but a stressed plant is more susceptible to attack and to damage. Like Think about it. Like when you, when you prune a branch off of a tree, you just cut that branch off, and now you expose the piece of the, the, inner, the inner workings of that, of that plant. It's exposed to the elements. It's susceptible. And so it's partly bare in that place. It doesn't, and it doesn't become more fruitful instantly. It's a process. The first phase after being pruned is healing from the cuts. So in the time of healing, when we're still vulnerable, it can be a humbling time for us. For, for some situations, it can even be embarrassing, depending upon how the Lord decided to prune us. It can be embarrassing. It can be humbling. But as long as we remain in him, he provides everything that we need to endure. Come on on the other side. And the other note I want to make sure I touch on is this. It says in, here in John 15 that the father is the gardener. So God the Father is the gardener. We know that we all have our own blind spots, which basically means that you can see in me things that need to be pruned, even though I may be walking around oblivious. You can see those things. We can see some of these things in one, one another. We see areas where it's like, man, God, would you just do something with this person? And because we can see it, the temptation is to take the shears in our own hand and do the pruning on one another. Hey, do you realize how horrible you are at this? Hey, do you realize what you're doing? Do you realize how, you, how you're making a fool of yourself? We want to just go and just kind of hack away at each other and, and do the pruning. But the truth is, that work is not our work. That's not our responsibility. That's way beyond our pay grade. The Lord is the one who works on us. We are the Lord's workmanship. You are not my workmanship. You're the Lord's workmanship. And so when we're working together, all we can do to help one another is point one another to the word of God in love. It's the truth in love. We don't do the pruning. We encourage one another as the Lord does the pruning. 
He's the only one qualified to have those shears in his hands. He's the only one skilled and knows what he's doing, the right timing, what to address and when. And so we, we need to be patient with one another. Yeah, we're going to see faults in one another, but we have to honor one another even through those faults. We have to be patient and trust the Lord working in each other. So our role through all this pruning is very, very simple, what he says in verse 4. This is all our responsibility is. Remain in me. And it's another promise, really. It's a command, remain in me, and then the promise, and I will remain in you, which essentially puts the ball in our court. It's our free will. It's our choice. If we want him to remain in us, if we want to be productive and fruitful and connected to the vine, we've got it. All that it takes is remaining in him being connected to him. And I love, I love the, the word that is actually used there is, is pronounced menate, the Greek word menate, which means remain or abide or wait. I love this. We were just talking about waiting on the Lord a few weeks ago. Wait in me. Just be in me and I will be in you. That's all he's asking. Nothing else but just remaining and waiting in him. Keeping our focus on him, taking in his word and, and letting his word, his truth, wash over our mind and our spirit. Even in those innermost parts in ways that are deeper than we can be even conscious of, he's working in those deepest places. And as he works there with time, it starts to show in the way that we think about things, the way that we approach different situations. It's all in his timing. He knows what he's doing. But we have to allow his nourishment to give that inner strength. There is this beautiful quote um, that I read this week from, it's a book called Letters of Father and Son by a man named John Adam. And uh, it's actually just a collection of these letters that a father and son are writing back and forth to one another as the son had just embarked out into his first year in college. And so they're writing back and forth about the struggles and the challenges that kind of come with that. But I think this is relevant to us, what we're talking about today. The father writes to his son, he says, if a tree cannot draw nourishment through its roots in the soil, even the most advantageous climate will not save it from the blight of decay. And it's in the operation of this principle that some men in adverse circumstances, such as those which you are now placed, are not strengthened, but weakened. Their character doesn't expand, it contracts. The fault is not in their surroundings, it's in the lack of sufficient nourishment in the unseen depths of their inner life. The fault is not in there, or it is for that reason, excuse me, that the same set of circumstances makes one man strong and another man weak. We just need to abide and remain in the vine, and we are made strong on the inside. 
During this same conversation Jesus is having at the Last Supper, just a few moments later, they got up from supper and they walked out into the garden and Jesus is praying in John 17. And Jesus um, is praying to the Father and he, and he tells the Father that he has sent the disciples into the world just as the Father has sent Jesus. Jesus is now sending the disciples. He's sending them into the world. And this is, a, this is a, a new strategy. This is something different. In the Old Testament, we know that the people of God had a promised destination. They had a promised land that God was taking the people of God to. And he did. He took, the, he took Israel and he was taking them to the promised land and it was such a, a, a difficult process to even get them there because of the hard-heartedness in their heart and they're stranded in the desert for decades. And even after that season had ended, he led them into the promised land. They weren't able to sustain it very long because again, their hearts turned from God. And all God wanted to do was to bring them to the promise, bring them to the productive, fruitful land. It says the, the land flowing with milk and honey. It was a fruitful land. It was a good thing. All he wanted to do was take them to the promise. I've prepared this for you. This land is productive. It's healthy. It's going to make you productive and healthy. Come to it. But it was too much for them. And so this is why Jesus is sent into the world. And Jesus is crucified on the cross. And now enter the new strategy. Now, he doesn't take us to the promise. He doesn't take us to the land where it's fruitful. Now, he brings the promise to us. Now, the fruit is grown within us. We don't run after or chase after or have to get to a destination to find it. Now, it's right here. And all we have to do is remain. Just sit in the nourishment that comes from Jesus Christ. And now everything we need, everything we want, comes and fills us. In order for him to send us out into the world, and yet for us to stay fruitful and productive, he knows we have to remain. We have to continue abiding and waiting upon him. That's the only way he can commission us out. We've come to him. We've gotten all that we need. We've been cleansed. We've been saved. We've been healed. We're being made whole. But he's sending us out. The only way that that works is as we continue to remain in him. Now we live on mission, and the mission is accomplished as long as we simply remain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the nourishment that you give that only comes from you. And I want to ask you today, Lord, will you please give each one of us here in this room, will you give us discernment, Lord, to give our focus and attention into those things where your nourishment is coming from? where you are teaching us, ministering to our spirit, 
Will you give us discernment to recognize those places and strength to give attention to those places? And discernment to know where the influences coming into our lives stand in opposition to what you're doing, to the nourishment that you're giving. Lord, may we not be as that fig tree. We're showing leaves. We're showing signs of life, but it's a facade. There's nothing of substance there. Lord, far be it from us to be a people like that. We come to you, Lord, and we say, God, do whatever pruning, whatever maintenance you need to do in us. We accept it. Painful as it is, we trust you in it because we know that the pain will pass and the productivity will come. We trust you, Lord. Teach us to remain, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.